This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're you're tuned into It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. The top podcast covering the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. Hosted by Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata at Odyssey Sports Podcast. We are back. It's always game day in Cincinnati, and my favorite podcasts are the podcast after when Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santag, and I'm like, how you doing? Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> I'm doing great. Yeah, what a win. I mean, I was fully expecting the loss. Like, yep. I think the the third quarter, when Trey Hendrickson got that roughing the passer, it was like, we can't get off the field, man. Like, that was stupid. Third and 25, it's like the one situation you can't get a roughing the passer. I don't care if you're doing first down, second down, third and short type thing, but it's like third and 25? They're not getting this, man. And it was like five steps before he hit him. It was just stupid. I think, personally, I could be wrong. But I do feel – he had a little bit of an injury thing, but I do feel like the coaches might have benched him for a couple plays I, after that because like, I I would have. I would have just been like, are you curious? Are you serious, my man? Like – we're getting off the field for the first time and you get to do that. And, and sometimes you just need that, like those mental rep, reps on the sideline for a second. Like, okay, let me get back into this game. And Trey Hendrickson would be the last person I thought would make that play on third and 25. And honestly, you have to be careful with the quarterback now. And I didn't see that in real time to know if that, you know, should have been called or not, but they're going to call it now. They're going to call yeah. it. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't the worst. It, it was an average or from the past. to me, yeah. it was like, Five extra – the quarterback, th- Dalton, threw it, and he was standing there for at least a second, maybe a second and a half before Henderson didn't hit him hard or anything, just came up, two hands, shoved him in the chest and knocked him over. And it's just like, oh, it's just – it's such a stupid penalty. But uh, don't mean to get on the bad because this was awesome. No, no. What an ending. Jamar Chase with the touchdown. Oh, all these people on Twitter say, oh, you left them too much time. For Andy Dalton? No, I wasn't worried one bit that Andy Dalton was about to make a two-minute drive down the field. They were running the ball well. They needed a touchdown. They didn't need a field goal. So I had no worries about that. Look, this wasn't Patrick Mahomes at Paul Brown Stadium last year when they took about six minutes off the clock on that drive, probably six and a half minutes, which is still unbelievable in real time to think what they did during that drive. But we've seen a lot with this this offense this year. I do have um, a disclaimer. I talked to you about it before we started the podcast. I put it on social media because if you put it on social media, it's always there no matter if you delete it or or you just keep it there forever. I was going to delete it. But I did say after the first drive, I was like, man. Joe Burrow just looks off and the replies to follow that were either, well, he's looked off all season or um, you can't blame Joe. It's this, it's this. I'm like, no, he just looked off. And then they put up 30 points after that tweet. So I would love to be wrong every week and just let Joe cook and do his thing. But there's something wild because you see Joe walk into the stadium and obviously he's familiar with Louisiana and the Superdome. Everybody remembers the national championship. But for him to walk in in the Jamar Chase jersey and the retweets to that is, oh, Joe's going to cook today. Jamar is going to get all kinds of touchdowns. It's going to be such a big day for Joe and Jamar. And just a storybook ending with the way this game went. 
I mean, they were losing with two minutes to go in the game, and Jamar Chase gets the go-ahead touchdown. Joe Burrow looked legit on a lot of throws, really got it going in the second half and thought, this is vintage Joe Burrow, what we saw in 2021. And if you look at the stats to start – in 2021 to 2022 and where he's at, or even after the game against the Steelers, when he gave the ball away five times, four interceptions, and then obviously the fumble and he gets one interception. And he's had 10 touchdowns since that week one. And that's really impressive to see what he did today. Yeah. This was a, a minus game from Joe Burrow to me. I don't think it was peak because it wasn't the entire game. That's my only mm-hmm. issue. I thought he made some nails throws. The first touchdown to Chase was – that was a 30-yard handoff. Like, he <laughs> could not put that in a better place with great velocity on it. He didn't give the safety any chance to get over the top or hit his receiver, and Chase didn't have that much separation. He had a step, and he stacked him. But if it's underthrown at all, Chase has to make a contested catch. Didn't have to. The ball was just perfect. Love that throw. He would have had another throw that was a touchdown. If Chase caught it early, it was just that early one. I was like, oh, man. I don't think it was a perfect throw from Joe. It was a little bit behind him. It was a little underthrown. But it was a contested catch, and it went right through Chase's hands. I just need I need my receiver to make that catch. Didn't end up mattering. And uh, I think the the when Joe clicked this from, like, a pretty good game into this is vintage Joe Burrow stuff was – when he ran that touchdown in right after that play because the play didn't matter because they scored a touchdown on that drive it was either the next play or the play after that uh the defense on third down they all turned their backs they started playing man coverage with a, i think it was a double on chase type thing or maybe the linebackers just up close they turned around and joe's like oh you're gonna turn your back to me okay so he just starts running and there's nobody anywhere near him he yeah just walks right in it was that was vintage Joe to me. He made didn't make anybody miss in the backfield, but he stepped up at the perfect time so that nobody could get him and then just took off because he knew he had green grass in front of him. I mean, that's just sometimes the best answer you have to man coverage or the defense is all running away from you is to just take off and run. Who cares what about throwing the ball in that situation? Yeah, and Joe liked this so much that uh, just moments after the game, he posted this on his Instagram, and he was partying in the end zone when he ran that in. And there were moments in this game we talked about where you saw the vintage Joe Burrow, but just running out of what could have been a sack and making something out of nothing is things that we saw in 2021. And this offensive line is playing better. I mean, this is the best offensive line Joe Burrow has played with. And again, we repeat it week after week. And it was going to be week four, week five, or week six when they really started to gel. And here we are after six weeks of football. And and Joe had himself a day. Yep. I would, I would say offensive line looked like they were gelling. They look like they're in the right system now. Uh, all the gun runs, RP, the RPOs, the gap stuff, the pooling players, running downhill, smash mouth football rather than running zone and running them on the angle, uh, just love what they're doing. And even early on, I was still like, I like what they're doing. Like things just weren't clicking perfectly, but they ran an early, it was a long trap, which is when you put your guard to kick out the opposite end. And off of that, there was also a little glance slant RPO uh, route from Tyler Boyd. And Joe just flips it out there to Boyd, easy first down. It was, it might've been like the first or second play of the game. And I was just like, I like that. I like I like what they're running here. And that's a true RPO. They ran a lot of package stuff last time where it was 
if that corner's off, just throw it. If not, you're just handing it off. There's no read. That one has a real read to it because if that linebacker comes up to fill, then you have Boyd going in that vacated area. So <clears throat> like that play early on, and I thought, okay, I think this offense is going to get rolling. But uh, And they did. So that, that – oh, man. Because we're so used to saying butt. With I know. Team. I almost went to butt, and I was like, no, they got rolling eventually. It was like the butt was the beginning. You know, they, they got rolling, and nothing really bad happened for the offense so much, in my opinion. I love that concept they did for the mix and touchdown as well. Just a levels, very common uh, football concept where your inside guy, they put chase there really smart in the slot. He runs about 11 yards and then turns in. And because of the gravity of chase, think of like these defenders are just pulled to him. He's like a planet. So they're all pooling into chase and underneath is mixing. And they all, they got one guy turned his back guarding chase. The other guys over top of chase, trying to come down and mix just catch underneath. He's like, I got like, <laughs> there's nobody in front of me. I got five yards to get in the end zone and nobody's there. It's just easy touchdown. And that, that's good scheme. I've been yelling for them to add that levels concept for this cover two looks because it really does a good job on that linebacker to give, put him in a bind, but yeah. And really smart to put chase there in that basic, that 12 yard in, because that's going to pull the defense up. And now you got Mixon easy and good catch and run guy. And I would say again, I think Mixon looks healthy. I think he looks like he's running well um, pass protection. Tough spot, didn't do great, but <laughs> uh, when it comes to running the ball and running after the catch, thought he did really well today. Yeah, I think that, you know, there's optimism for Joe Mixon over the last few weeks. We talked about it before we recorded this podcast of what we would see from Joe Mixon when it comes to running the football versus the Saints. And I think, you know, you, you should feel optimistic going forward. A lot may have changed when it comes to the conversation that he was able to have with his offensive line before the Thursday night game and to where they're all at now. Communication, chemistry, all of that matters. Of course, the protection is getting better, but just have that with your running back and the offensive line. And even seeing Joe Burrow out there have all the confidence in the world what felt like what we've seen from the defense this year have they've been able to keep them in games they've been saving games and you almost just needed this game as a coming out party for the offense to get to 30 points on the road and an atmosphere that couldn't have been easy to play in but obviously a lot of familiar faces when they played at Arrowhead when it comes to trying to play in that kind of environment and not letting that impact or affect this offense very much because I don't know how you felt but in the second half, when I knew they needed to go down and score touchdowns or, you know, at least bounce back with some points that they were going to because it just felt like they were on fire offensively and that was going to happen. Yeah, no, the offense was rolling. So when they when the, the punt was a shank, too. So I was like, ooh, shank punt two minute drill I didn't think it was gonna happen in one play but I was no. like two minute drill they just need a field goal they need 20 yards to get that to shooter I mean that's easy but then mm -hmm. the <laughs> the Saints of course they finally get to a single high coverage in that moment and oh man with a backup corner I not was it a, a Roby uh I don't I can't remember who it was. I think it was Roby. I don't think he's a backup, but he's normally their number two guy. So you got your normal number two guy on Chase. You go to you go to single high and leave him on an island. Chase cooked him on the route, made him miss on the uh, after the catch, and then he makes Matthew miss. And my goodness, from the twenty, he could have moonwalked in. He did. I was almost expecting the gritty into the end zone. <laughs> when a receiver, like, well, when a receiver gets to look back. 
and just yeah. say, all right, I'm going to just walk this in. And we have an image up right now on video. And a lot of people can't see this, but we have it up. And Jamar has the biggest smile on his face as he's just walking it in. But I, 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 it was almost too good to be true for Joe and Jamar to have the game that they had. 300 yards, passing yards, 28 of 37, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Then Jamar gets the ball seven times, 132 and two touchdowns. I, I was just absolutely just the perfect homecoming for this duo. I want to get to the defense in a little bit, but we've kind of glossed over the offensive line. And I know you're going to watch a lot of the tape and we'll get more in depth in the podcast later this week on what it looks like. But when it comes to the concerns earlier in the season, guys like Lyle Collins, Jonah Williams, at times, you know, obviously he had bounced back and he was dealing with that injury. How did how did you feel Lyle looked? Ooh. <coughs> I got so excited. I'm so excited. Uh, this is his best game, I think. He went against a tough opponent, Cam Jordan. Still a good player. Not an elite player anymore, but still a really good player. And it's tough to tell on broadcast. I still remember there's been games before that I went, yeah, that offensive line had a good game. And I get back to watch, and I'm like, oh, no, the, the Joes just really made them look good. Um, and uh, Burrow made a few sacks miss. So mm-hmm. I think there is that in my mind. But even thinking of that, I, I didn't think too many of these sacks or pressures really came off that right side. And that's what that's what he's been killing them is that if you get a good player over Lyle Collins, he's beating him nonstop. He held up. And I know that there were a few plays that he more than held up. I think he got a pancake on somebody over there. Don't want to say it was Jordan because I'm not sure. But I think he got a pancake in pass protection over there. I think he did a solid job just holding up the entire time. The sacks, I think, mostly came – there was one off of the left side between Volson and Jonah. I'd have to go back and watch to say who it was. I think it was a little bit of both. And the other one, uh, the Saints run that cross dog pressure. And it is so tough to pick up with those guys because Demario Davis is a beast. And we saw it. We saw it. <laughs> we saw it. You warned us. Yeah, I was warning you. I was like, I, that's the most underrated linebacker in the league, man. I know Logan Wilson is a dog, but this is a dog too. Uh, but um, yeah, he's he's so good on that. It's just I posted the, the play because I was like, I think this is gonna screw them, but I don't want to I don't want to jinx it or like call it out. And then it did, and I was like, I should have been more forward. Like, hey Bengals, pick this up, please. But they, they're on that cross dog, which is just one linebacker comes in, he's gonna hit the running back and pull him inside, and the other linebacker wraps around. Usually Davis is the one that's gonna wrap around. They're both maniacs and will dig drive their head through a running back. So they tried to pick those up in a few ways. They had the running back back. They had him up against the line. It was mixing both times they missed, although I don't remember if P. Ryan had a shot at one of those or not. Tough. But other than those, like you think center, right guard, right tackle, I don't remember any pressures from over there. They, they, they probably happened. I don't think they pitched a shutout, but like none of them blew up the game. None of them gave up a sack. It was just really good game from those guys. Left guard, left tackle. Look, Cordell's a rookie, and uh, I don't think he played bad. I just think like he was responsible for a little bit, and then Jonah obviously a little bit responsible for one of those two, but he played through what a dislocated kneecap. I don't care. He played pretty well considering yeah. the circumstances. No, NFL players are tough, and, and credit to Jonah Williams for going out there this week. And, you know, maybe that's beneficial when you think of how Zach Taylor puts on his practice when it comes to making guys limited or putting Lyle Collins out on Wednesdays as a rest day. And that's probably going to be what it's going to look like for the rest of the season. They'll probably take it easy with Jonah Williams and then get limited practice in on Thursday and light work on Friday. But yeah, I think you have to be pretty excited when you look at this offense today, offensive line, Joe Burrow, the wide receiver group. I want to get to more in the wide receiver room next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. 
is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. All right, we're back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. You know the vibes are high, energy is good. Doing those podcasts at 7 o'clock p.m. on a Sunday after an L, it hurts. I'm not going to lie. It's not that fun. I know listeners don't. It was don't... worse at midnight. Oh, midnight, yeah. And all these crime games <laughs> still have to go. Yeah, that was bad. I'm still anti-Sunday night football, and I don't care who feels differently about it. If you like prime time, well, good news for you. One week from Monday, they have another one. Well, one week from next month, I'm screwing up. One week from next Monday, because they play the uh, Atlanta Falcons at Pecor Stadium on Sunday, and then they go to Cleveland for a little primetime action. So we'll get one more one o'clock game in, in between. But let's talk about what just happened in Louisiana. Something about that Superdome, Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow. And I, I'm just convinced that the coaching staff reads Twitter. I don't advise because I wouldn't. I would stay far away from social media. You got to sort through a lot of stuff. You got to sort through a lot of stuff. They're jumping in the spaces because I listen to those sometimes and I truly enjoy them because they're just different perspectives from from the fan base. And I like to hear what everyone thinks or feels. And I like a good conversation. But I honestly feel that the coaching staff changed a lot up this week. I joked with Paul Daner when Zach Taylor said last week that you get an offensive coordinator, you got the quarterback coach, you get the head coach. Everybody's kind of making that decision or going over that play before it gets to Joe Burrow. And I said, well, they need to make it like a Chick-fil-A drive through and make it a little easier make it work. It's not working right now. And it seemed to work. Okay. I mean, there's still some, some things to figure out offensively, but it's really hard to complain when they put up 30 and Joe looked the way he did, but play calling was an issue last week. It's been an issue and topic for, for a couple of years now in Cincinnati. How do you feel like Zach Taylor did today? I thought he did well. Um, so they had two snaps from under center. One was a kneel and one was a QB sneak. And I think they're just fully into this spread shotgun offense. And that is the better part. Like what I've been saying that like that part's looked fine. It's the under center stuff they couldn't figure out. And they're just, whatever, throw it out because we can run from the gun. And I know they keep saying like, it's better from under center. And I agree when you're thinking theoretically on chalkboard and you're talking about the angles and uh, everything lining up perfectly. That's better from under center. It just is. But if you can effectively run from the gun, which they did, Joe Mixon, 5.6 yards of carry again. He's over five, two, two weeks in a row, two weeks that he was running from the gun. So you get these gun runs and you can run them effectively. Now it looks like your, your pass game and your run game are the same thing. So that actually mixes together because before it was like so much of, well, how are they going to make the under center stuff look like the run? And that's not working and it's not working and blah, blah, blah. It, just go to the gun and it's going to look fine. I know that the linebacks can read it better because of the angle that they're watching, but just in general, looks better. Um, I like the offense. I like the play calling. The uh, I think I had an issue, and I'm trying to remember what it was, if I'm going to talk about one of the issues I had, but I can't even remember right now off the top of my head. I, no, I can't think of it right now. Maybe I'll see it on rewatch. I don't remember there being anything egregious. That's the main concern. Um, look, like, nothing I, I just keep thinking back it's like yeah i guess like you could argue about not calling timeouts when the saints were doing their thing or trying to force them to go out of bounds rather than keeping them in bounds but whatever it's like those are things but they're not the end of the world to me and definitely did not care like i said about giving the saints too much time to score a touchdown i thought whatever oh i guess an issue is why did they go for two i didn't even 
whatever. It was like go up six versus going up five. I don't think it mattered, but I was just no, like, just it really didn't. I think it, I don't, yeah. I just want to get rid of a play. <laughs> like, yeah, let's see if this one works. <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot of time for them to kick two field goals for that. No, that's, that's and if they score a touchdown, they score a touchdown. Like, you're down at five, they go up. I guess if you get that, the most they can go up is three. Like, I'm trying to really think about this. Yeah. Like, but why would they go for two if they went up? It I was all for it though. I was like, yeah, go for two. <laughs> it was in the moment, it was like, yeah, he's being aggressive. And then I'm like, looking back, I'm like, why the hell did he do that? Oh, okay. Nick no, that's such a stretch. I don't know. Nick is right. Well, but like, Nick would I know. Think of that. I Nick would know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Nick would know space. because it's week one. Yeah. Give yourself a chance to block the extra point if you give up the touchdown, maybe. My immediate thought is just like, that's such a small chance. Like, to me, I was like, who cares? Like, they're gonna probably not blocking it. <laughs> I mean, look, Nick would know. The Steelers <laughs> won because they were able to block an extra point. That's just such a rare occurrence to me that I don't think of that as a possibility. Uh, most of the time, the Bengals have blocked an extra point. I cannot think of less than they've blocked I, an I extra can't. point. Like that's such a hard one too because it's usually quicker and they don't need to drive it as low. They can really drive it up high. Yeah, no, and, and uh, for people who are listening, obviously the audio version. Nick is our producer. He's a Pittsburgh. Um, I want to say native. I'll probably screw this up again, but he's a Steelers fan. And we're joking because he put on the screen, gave yourself a chance to block the extra point if you give up a TB. Maybe because I don't know. Maybe he was being. Maybe he was being honest there. Maybe that wasn't a jab at the what happened week one against the Bengals and Steelers. But uh, no, Nick is the best. Uh, but yeah, no, with Zach Taylor, if you can't think of really reasons to be upset about it then um then that's a good thing because you like, know oh, you're watching, was, you're watching, okay, yeah, so, i just watched josh allen hurdle guy sorry <laughs> a little behind the scenes we are recording this not only are we excited to talk about a win this team gets to 500 but the kansas city chiefs and the bills are currently playing as we record this the last time i checked it was under two minutes the bills have it in kc territory and I don't know what's happening because I'm delayed, but we're recording this and we have a lot to talk about. There's a really exciting AFC game going on right yeah, now. Josh, Josh Allen hurdled a guy uh, and okay. landed on his feet and kept running. It wasn't one of those that he got hit and whatnot. But, yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, like, I keep coming with things. It's like maybe they should have fed Mixon when Burrow was a little bit off earlier. But then also it's like, well, then Burrow warmed up and he was nails after that. So, should they have? I know Mixon's running well, but he's also running well probably because he's getting these opportune looks. It, he's not running when they don't need him to, which has well, been that. an issue earlier. I'd prefer they were on the passing side of that. I thought the play calls were good. The play designs were good. I thought everything about it was like, yeah, that was that was a good idea. Uh, and the worst I got to was like, I probably want to run that, but I see the idea. <laughs> you know, like or I get it. Um, so whatever. I. The offense was just great. This is what I want to see from the offense. And that's with them starting with like three straight three and outs or uh, one first down and like the first three drives. It's like, yeah, that, that sucks. And they had a muff kick. Uh, this game shouldn't have been as close as it was. And I was thinking that early again, I never want to jinx these things, but when it was halftime and they were losing, I was like, I mean, we're a jet sweep and a fumbled kick, a fumbled punt from this being like the Bengals are up two scores. Uh, and it should have been. It should have been that way. Because here's the thing: that if that doesn't happen, that was a completely different ball game. And if they could have stopped a couple third and longs, I mean, that was a different. That game wasn't even close. 
And I mean, you got to take what you do. It's hard to win in the NFL. They were able to get the win and that is exciting. I, I think the biggest thing from this game is something we haven't seen all season. We've talked about it in the first 22 minutes of the podcast and it's the offense, it's the offense confidence and it's your quarterback, Joe Burrow, because I wanted to see Joe Burrow again. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't a full game, but it was the most we've seen from him to look back and say, that is number nine. That's who we saw last year. That's the guy who kept them atop of the AFC. When Burrow made that guy miss in the backfield, when they start spinning around and makes another guy miss as he's running, then hits Tyler Boyd for the first down on third down. That was like, oh, okay, this is like peak Joe Burrow. He's back. You know, like we yeah. haven't seen that that much. Like he, if he'd run, he'd run and scramble. If he'd, and he did have a big scramble earlier, but whatever. Uh, he wasn't like looking downfield and picking those up through the air that often, or like it would just be, there was one to chase earlier. Like he, extend the play and it would be a slightly off pass or something or the wide receiver and him weren't on the exact same mind meld but this time they were in fact i, I watched the dots i haven't watched the all 22 or anything like that but i watched the dots i was like boy just kind of sits there he's like all right i'm open just whenever these guys get away from joe he's gonna throw it to me and he did but it was like he just kind of sat there like nobody is here i'm here to pick up the first down yeah, and when you when you 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 pass the ball along to all the weapons that you currently have, even if you're throwing it up to Joe Mixon at times, or you finally get your run game going, your offensive line is the best you've had in Cincinnati since your day one here. Man, it has to feel good for Joe. It really does. That just the way it's all clicking right now, and I think that was a huge confidence booster that we need to see going forward. I want to get to the defensive side in our last segment, but I want to bring up more of the wide receiver room and just the picture as a whole. Besides Jamar Chase, I know T. Higgins. He was there. He was out there. So there's optimism that yeah, T- dunk. Yeah, T's, T's coming back from from his injury. Obviously, guys aren't ever going to be 100% when they're battling any lingering issue. What he was dealing with was with his ankle. I didn't think he was going to play today. I honestly didn't. He went light in practice all week, was questionable. And then he comes out there in pregame. I'm like, okay, T's going to give it a go. And obviously, when you have T Higgins, Jamar Chase, and Tyler Boyd out there, this is the offense we, we've talked about since the day they drafted Jamar Chase of what it can be. And there's no other wide receiver room that you can really compare to it when you have all these three wide receivers and they're on. I, I didn't, it felt like T almost, I don't know if it's like the ankle bothering him, but he did have that one drop. It was like, ah, oh, man. And I think his mom actually tweeted out. She did. <laughs> yeah, she was like, get your head in the game, T, or something like that. I, I love like, her honesty so much. Uh, I was like, oh, man. I'm making excuses, but it's just like, yeah, like I think the ankle or something is bothering. He's thinking about that and it hits him in the hands. He's just like, come on. And I know, like he's just out of rhythm because he didn't practice twice this week, had a limited one for his other one. So I, I get it. I get why this stuff happens, but it was a little bit of like, oh man, if T was going too. And then he had that dunk on Demario Davis, which was not so much on Demario Davis, but I'm going to say it was because why not? You make a jumping, spinning catch like that over top of a linebacker. I think it's a dunk. Uh, so that, that was a great catch. Good to see him back. Thought Boyd played really well. Um, Hurst did what he usually does. He gets his only a couple balls, but he runs so hard after that. <laughs> did it again where he's like, he's going to get stopped for a three-yard game. It's like, he's churning, he's churning, he's churning. All right, nine yards. He got six extra yards just by you know putting his head down and carrying two defenders as he falls down. So, Ooh, uh, anyway, I, I, yeah, this is I, this is the hardest job we've ever had because we were recording this time game of the week. Josh Allen went up 24-20. There's about 51 seconds left on my computer as I'm watching this. 
And this would just be a huge one for the Bills. Obviously, a little bit of a revenge game and the AFC picture. And that factors in with Cincinnati right now. They're not out of it. They're just getting started, obviously, offensively. So uh, this game is is huge factor in effect. But we are, yeah, we are recording this with, with about 50 seconds left in that game. And this is um this is hard. Yeah, Bills just got an interception with 50 seconds left. I think that's the game, so I can stop game. being distracted. Ball, game. Ball, Ball game, game, I think, as long as the Bills don't really screw this up. So I think I can stop being a little bit distracted. Um but anyway, yeah, I I loved I liked all the pass. I just think the offense is really like this is what you look for, and this is a to me on on paper. And I know they didn't have Marsh on Lattimore, but they still have dudes. They still have Tyron Matthews, still have Marcus May, they still have the entire defensive line: Cam Jordan, David Onyemata, um, all these guys that are like really good players. And then you have Demario Davis, Pete Werner. It's like, yeah, Chris Harris Jr. is on that team. I forgot about that until I saw him against Boyd, and I was like, yeah, he can still play too. It's like all these guys are dudes, and on paper this is still a good defense without Latimer with a good coach in Dennis Allen, and they scored 30, and they didn't even play well the entire game. So yeah, kudos. I thought this is what – whenever I pictured the offense as the season was going, especially going into last week, I was like, I think what they need to get to is basically what this looked like today where you're getting your super talented players in space, isolated and doing that, all that stuff that made them awesome last year. But you're also getting these downhill runs to really attack these real light boxes and everything. You're just getting downhill quick. These safeties aren't able to fill as fast as you're getting downhill. And then Mixon also does every once in a while, just does that like slow stop. Everybody hates that dancing in the backfield thing. They always hear about on my mentions about Mixon's dancing too much. Well, sometimes when he's dancing, he gets an extra six yards, so it's fine. Uh, I don't know. I, I Give and take. It's like when Burrow creates out of structure. It's like that's Mixon creating out of structure to me. He's dancing so that he can get a, a lane to open up or he can make a guy abandon his gap as he shifts to try to make the tackle. I don't know. I love the offense in this game. I hope it continues next week against Atlanta. It needs to – I think it will need to be this way when they play the Browns, although that defense for the Browns has looked terrible. Uh, I think I think they've got to – this is a good get right. If they can just win these next three games and go 4-0 and in this stretch, I think that puts them right in the driver's seat for the AFC North. See – we say just if they can just do that. I well, because I think they should be favored in all of them. They That's should. why, yeah. Well, here's the thing if you look at a lot of games this season, they've been favored in a lot of them, and that's what makes me. But, but I agree, I think that this felt different. This felt 2021 for me, not the defensive stuff because the defense has been really good last season and this year leading up to this game. And I just I saw things where I'm like, this is what we see, we saw last year. This is what this offense should be. It should be explosive. The thing is, I mean, they could have probably put up 35, 36. Like they could have done that too. And it just kind of felt like a light day, but the offense still gets 30. And I think that that is optimistic. If you get started early, it's a probably a whole different ball game they win by two to three different two to three scores and to see what to see them get rolling in the second half is huge in the second and third quarter and something we just we just haven't seen all season so I'm optimistic this is the first time the offense carried the defense um that's the story of the game to me is that the offense was able to overcome the defense's shortcomings and take them to the promised land with uh, their uh their first victory after a not a great defensive performance so at first not great defensive performance of the season and didn't matter yep let's get to the not so great part but it didn't really matter because they still won next on it's always game day in cincinnati
This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We're back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. We talked about the good. And one of the things, if you were to tell me that the defense was going to give up that much in the game, on the ground, against Andy, 26 points for the Saints, I don't know. I don't know if I would have said this is a get-right game for the offense. And I didn't. I said that in my pregame on all Bengals that I didn't feel like this was going to be the offensive game, but they would do enough to win. I think I said they were going to score 24 points. It was six off. But at the same time, everything just flipped. Because you think in the pregame, you're hearing all the wide receivers that the Saints have down that can't play. Well, this offense, this, the corners, secondary, they're going to have a day. Defense is going to stop them. Offense just do enough to win this game. It just felt flip-flop from what I thought the outcome of the game was going to be. And the defense struggled bad at times, mostly the whole game. Everybody, too. It wasn't like one guy that you can point to. Um, look, uh, through the air ends up okay. Uh, I don't think that anybody was that bad through the air. No. Uh, you could – the one guy that wasn't great was Eli Apple, and that was like, okay. Michael also got turned around on that touchdown, and I think – there's a debate whether or not Jesse Bates should have been there, but to me, the corner can't get beat that bad. Uh, like Bates gets secondary blame. Like you could have been the fireman to put that out, but the corner also needs to be tighter on that. Cause the ball was a little bit underthrown. Wire receiver slows down. Mike Hilton gets back in the play, but if he wasn't beat so bad, he'd be able to break that ball up rather than being able to get back in there and try to make the tackle. Um, yeah, it's just like everybody struggled. It's like the interior of the defensive line struggled. They were opening up giant gaps. Pratt got beat a few times on blocks. Um, I want to—I don't remember Wilson too much either way. He made a good stop at one point, and that, that was when he got injured on. And like they made, they flash sometimes, but uh, just overall, Awuzie, I think he was good. <laughs> like Von Bell missed two tackles. Um, Eli Apple missed a tackle. He made a great hit on Taysom Hill, though. I could think Trey Hendrickson had the roughing the passer penalty. It's like everybody had these issues and then they still win because, because of the offense. But I can, I can count to like two guys on defense. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. But they played pretty well. And it was Cheeto, Cheeto and yeah. uh, Tufele. <laughs> I thought Tufele played well. Oh, yeah. BJ Hill. I'll, I'll say, I almost don't want to say BJ Hill, but he made that clutch sack. So I don't remember him too much before that because good or bad, it's hard to see on broadcast to see those guys. But when he made that sack, I was like, he deserves a game ball. He just, he just, he just finished the game off. I didn't think Andy was about to win that for him. And oh man, Eli Apple getting tangled up really made me think they're going to have a shot, but <laughs> didn't get called. Uh, BJ Hill with that sack was just very clutch. Um, so I'll say three guys, three guys on defense played well, BJ Hill, J2 Fele and Ch- uh, Cheeto. Yeah, and at the end of the day, the defense has kept them in a lot of games this season. We talked about, you know, look, they, they should have been 5-0, and and they're 3-3 three and three right now, which could be 6-0 and if you uh, count this game. But, you know, they just couldn't finish it offensively in those games, and they did it this week. And you almost just needed that game because of what we've seen from the defense of just, hey, we'll keep you in it. We're not allowing that second-half touchdown, which they do it again. And it's just unbelievable the way that they struggled in the first half. 
and the offense gets it going. So I would I would take it because I think a lot of people felt on that last drive, if you stop them right here, we'll forget all about it. We'll forget all about it. You move on, you get the win, you see 30 points from your offense, and you pack your bags up, go back to Cincinnati, and you get to play at home for once. Uh, for once, because it's almost been a month. It's been a long time. I feel like all their games have been on the road right now. And the last time they played there was Thursday night football, which is almost a month ago. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's just some questionable things. Do you think that was more just on the players out there and, and a little surprised with maybe not a whole lot of second half adjustments, even though they didn't give up the touchdown? Uh, the one cool adjustment I saw was that they just started auto checking to cover zero every time Taysom Hill took a snap. I thought that was fun. It was like, that's not a real quarterback. <laughs> you know, let's yeah. just blitz him. So they just started blitzing the crap out of him. And that ruined the read stuff they wanted to do because they the read guy would be running right at Hill. And then they had another guy right behind that to take the back. So a lot of times he'd hand it off and the back gets hit. Or the read guy or the or the read guy would go tackle the back and then Taysom Hill pulls it and then he's like, oh crap. <laughs> and then he gets hit by Mike Hilton or something. So I liked that adjustment. Everything else was like, I guess this is the the uh, issue with um, all this, they wanted to just keep playing the same way without DJ reader uh, too high. Uh, let, you know, try to let these guys slow play gap and a half stuff. And then they're just without reader. They don't have that guy, that guy that's going to, I'm going to take these two gaps and who knows, I might even get over another gap if I need to. So like I'm going to dominate the offensive line. And this is a good run blocking offensive line. Don't think they did a great job pass blocking, but run blocking, I thought they did a good job. I mean, Pete McCoy, even Ruiz has been better this year. Ramchek. It's like all those guys are good run blockers to me, or at least solid. Um, three of them are good. One solid. Uh, but uh, anyway, um, they, they're, they were just dominating the defensive line early in the game. I think in the second half, it was better. Um, and that's why I'm saying that I think I liked what Tufele did. I, I don't remember too much negative with him. Hard to see again, broadcast from the side. Can't see that push and everything, but he made a tackle for a loss. He's just, he was just showing up. I saw the big hair nose tackle, like he was Domota Peko. Um, but yeah, I, I like, it was like Tupo left and I hope Tupo's okay, but it was almost better with Tufele in there. I don't know if uh, that's a change going forward, whether or not uh, Tupo is going to be healthy, but either way, they have somebody there that I think is going to provide a little bit better play. And they have two guys that can spell reader a tiny bit now. Yeah. It's kind of wild because if readers on track and I know he's been on the rehab field at times, he can come back after this game on Sunday, he could come back for the Monday night football game against Cleveland. If, if they don't, you know, rush don't him. him. Like, yeah, they will chub 100% get him out there, put him on that plane if he can go. And the thing is, it's, it's, a, I think there are a lot of eyes on the next two weeks to see what DJ looks like at practice on the side, on the rehab field to see if he seems up to, up to go just, I'm, I'm losing my train of thought, but uh, just to see if he can get back out there before um, they almost head into their bye week. I know they have the Carolina Panthers too in November, and then uh, they might get a little bit of a break, but it's a huge stretch for them uh, to get back home, go play the Atlanta Falcons, who are a little scrappy. They're a run They're team too. They're, they are a team that you could use, DJ. Um, it, this could, That could be a game that's annoying. I, I can already see it, not to preview too much, but I'm already like – 
man, if this run D looks like it did today, I can already see the Falcons scoring 24, 27. And you're like, the Falcons with Mariota? But yeah. it's about the run game and what they're able to do there. Like, Mariota will throw 10 passes and they score 24 points like they did today. Look, quarterback doesn't matter. <laughs> We've watched plenty of football this year that I'm not going to say anything or any. the game can go anyway because I just don't know what's going to happen. And you, If someone would have told you before the season the list of quarterbacks this team would face, you would have thought, wow, wow, they're lucky. They're I will say the one nice thing is that unlike facing Trubisky and Rush, I don't think the Falcons boast an elite defense to go with this run game. So that's the thing is like if the offense keeps rolling, they should be able to score 30 but I could already see the Falcons being annoying on offense, just like, oh, man, you got to get them into third and long and make Mariota play, but can they do that? Because that offensive line has been playing really well, and the run game in general has been nice, no matter who's at running back. They just cycle these guys in and out and let Mariota run too. So I'm not going to preview it too much, but I can see the same script that the Saints used today to annoy the Bengals working again next week, and then that becomes – three times as effective against the Browns. Like that's the one that's scary to me. I, they can lose next week, but against the Browns, it's like if they can't stop the run, whew, that is going to be a tough one on Halloween. Let's not ruin Cincinnati's Halloween. No, no. And we are, I already hate primetime games. Don't don't ruin it with I, 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 like, I like a little bit of primetime when you win. When you lose, it's, it's double. It's worse. This is this is what's great about having a fiance that's not a Bengals fan because she can pass out the candy to the kids and I will just get to be angry on the couch or happy on the couch. I'm hoping happy. Uh, but yeah, I just, it was like, I'll be, I told her, I was like, I'll be there from like six to seven 30. And then I, I'm going inside and getting ready for this game. Not to be too far off topic. Cause we can get to that over the next couple of weeks. But when it comes to handing out candy, does that last until like nine, nine 30? I think it's less. I feel like it stops at like eight or eight thirty anymore. It's like I think they say till dark, and then there's still you know like the kids Those and kids lingering around, linger around a little bit. I know last year uh, we had a little bit of candy left, and it was like eight, and it was like almost dark, and we were like, "Nah, Chipotle's giving away a buy one get one free burrito," so we left the candy out. The bowl was knocked over, and all the candy was gone. It was just like, "All right, fine, take the candy, but come on, leave the bowl." You know, it was there, but it was just like, why'd you knock that over too? I was giving you candy. I was going to say, I mean, obviously the game will be, won't even really be starting by the time people are done going trick-or-treating. But then if they were winning at the half, you'd be giving out full-size candy bars. Like, <laughs> here you go. You want a full Reese's cup? You want a king size? Here you go. Bengals are up right now. They're rolling on the Browns. Revenge game. They can't stop the Browns. to the dads. Yeah. Like, well, I don't know because there has to be a lot of uh, Steeler fans in your area. Oh yeah, they're all Steelers fans, so I just I live with that. I understand. That's fine. You get it. They're not so much the enemy. This oh, I guess they were Week One, I don't but know. they're not like competing. In my opinion, they're I don't not know. competing for the. I'm division. not counting anyone out right now. In the I'm area. counting them out. Nick, you can dunk out. on me later. Okay. If this happens, if they can come back and win the division. Nick, you can clip this, share it on social. It feels so bad, all bad vibes. I don't think it's happening. All bad vibes. I don't think it's happening. I don't see the Browns doing it either. I just think it's all Bengals versus Ravens for the division, even though it's one game apart. You see how nervous I get? Like, I just, I get so nervous that (laughs) that can be true. You know what? Optimistic, optimistic Mike. 
I like it. I'm rolling with it. I'm rolling with it. But I do want to say one thing. Kelsey Conway actually tweeted this right before we started to record. You mentioned Logan Wilson, and he does make that stop and get injured. Um, some early reports that it's something to watch out for when it comes to that injury because it sounds like it was the shoulder that he had surgery on this offseason. And you don't want to lose a guy like Logan Wilson for a long period of time. They lost him last year for a couple of games, and he returned. Um, I want to say he was still battling that injury when he ended up returning and still played really well to end the season he should have had the game winning stop uh not the game winning but the third down stop versus cooper cup but uh we won't talk about the super bowl um but at the same time we there's depth in the linebacker room but that's still a concern it's a concern because like to me wilson's the guy when you need turnovers and stuff and he's the kind of create chaos creator he's definitely the best linebacker on the team but I do feel confident in Jermaine Pratt and Keen Davis Gaither giving them solid linebacker play, especially when DJ Reader gets back, if it's still lingering that long. Um, Reader just uplifts almost that entire front. So I, the only issue I could see is I'm not opposed. I don't think he's bad. Akeem Davis Gaither in the run game, I have worries because of his size. It's not because I've seen him do anything bad. He's missed a couple tackles, but it's not like I see him get pancaked or thrown 15 yards downfield. But it's just like, oh man, that guy's like barely 220 pounds. <laughs> like, I would run at him. If I was the coach, I'd run at him. Uh, he's done a great job, but I do think whenever I see him, I'm like, if I was facing that guy, I think I would be putting the the red triangle, like this is the guy we're going to ISO up on this play. <laughs> Try to get a one-on-one with the fullback or the tight end. Well, good vibes only. Blah, blah, blah. I'm tongue twisted right now, but good vibes only for Logan Wilson. And, and hopefully he comes back sooner than later. And we'll obviously get more on his injury and what the club looks like after this game. When they get back to practice on Wednesday, we'll hear from head coach Zach Taylor on Monday. We'll have two optimistic pods because we're only bringing optimism after a win for the whole week of podcasts. We have two coming for you. Preview prediction, a little look back after Mike Santagata looks at the tape, all the offensive line breakdown, the fun stuff, your question and answers. When uh, you send them on Twitter, we'll have those on Thursday's podcast. And one more thing real quick, the AFC North right now, Ravens drop a, I would say a semi big one, even though it was an NFC opponent to the Giants, Lamar Jackson with the turnover at a bad time, Bengals at three and three. Oh yes, my, I didn't see that, but I heard he fumbled the snap and then also threw a pick and I was just like, what? yeah, two. Not, two not, interceptions. Not, oh. not so ideal. I want to say two interceptions. I could be wrong. I know I know he had some bad moments at key times in the game. It's early, but I think the MVP may may have played at four or or at eight. One fumbled in it. That was my bad. I was uh reading Twitter as I was watching the game when the Ravens and Giants and then the Bengals were on at the same time. But yeah, it was a key time, not an ideal time to do that for Lamar. And I think we saw Lamar enough in Sunday night football and, and just we just talked about the defense and how it struggled today. Um, I, I, the AFC North is still up for grabs, and you, you're right. You, you can control your own destiny, really, when you look at the outlook and the picture for the Cincinnati Bengals. Huge games coming up before they go into their bye week, you know, three to four weeks, just get it going offensively. Defensively, I think they have a bounce-back game, but, again, we're not giving any predictions right now on Sunday's post-game podcast. You're going to have plenty on all Bengals. What's going to be up there this week? Takeaways article by the time you're reading this, or I'm just going to go over some fun stats and trends that I can find and things that I just found interesting in the game that you could take away towards next week in the future. And then uh, whatever I figure out while I'm watching the film, hopefully there's just some standout player I love and I can write about him, maybe 
it's Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. Maybe it's just the past concepts they use that I liked. So I don't know. There's a whole lot that I could figure out. No idea on the second article, but the first article that should be out is the takeaways. And then when we do the pod next time, I'll let you know while you're listening, whatever article is already out. We love that. We love that. I like more winning podcasts. So if the Bengals can do their part and keep winning, we are just going to have fun. We're going to be excited. I'm pumped for Sunday Night Football tonight. Cowboys and uh, Eagles. I think it would be pretty cool. If the Go Cowboys... Birds. Oh. My, my, NF, my <laughs> NFC Super Bowl pick. Did you hear me? You said, I said, I think it'd be pretty cool if the cow and you go, go birds. <laughs> go birds. <laughs> I said the Cowboys. I think it looks good when the team that the, that the Bengals lost to wins a lot of games that a lot of people hammered Cincinnati for. No, um, go birds. And I want controversy when it comes to the quarterback room when Dak oh is back. God. I want I it all. Don't. I want it all. <laughs> I uh, I picked the, on the spot, picked the Eagles to win the NFC. So go birds. I hope that I, they. I would uh, love. I would hope they go 17 and 0. I hope I hope it's a 21 and 0, and they're like nobody can stop these birds. They're the undefeated Eagles, and on the other side is the Bengals, and then the Bengals play the role of the Giants. That'd be great. Love it. That'd be really fun. Yeah, would love it. I would I, love. I would feel more confident facing the Super Bowl team if they were undefeated than if they had one loss. I feel like it's just almost fate where they're like undefeated team's not winning. The 72 Dolphins. Got- <laughs> We need. They've lined some voodoo up there in Miami, doing something. We, we need to wrap, but I 100% feel the same way. If my team was undefeated right now, I would almost just want them to lose one game in between because there's just way too much could go wrong. I think of the Arizona Cardinals last year. Nothing really mattered. Now, if you look back on it, yeah, they go on a nice round to start the season, go undefeated in 2021, and now look at them. I mean, what I. What about just, the great 2019 11-0 Pittsburgh Steelers? Never forget Monday Night Football. Muppet Night Football. They fell the night. Did they fall the week they before? They fell the, the week before the Bills. Okay. So we got to stop. Producer like snowball like that. That's why I brought it up. <laughs> We're slab happy. That's what happens after a win. We'll be back. Thanks for always listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.